0: At the
1: center of the universe, at the border between the light and the dark, stands Castle Grayskull. For countless ages, the heroes of Grayskull have defended the universe against the forces of evil. Walk through the Hall of Living Pictures and learn the history and mystery of the masters of the universe. Dive deep into the mythology of Eternia, Etheria, and more. For those who know the stories of Grayskull will come to power... The power to be supreme. The power to be all knowing. The power to be. Legends of Grayskull. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today, and welcome to episode three of Legends of Grayskull, the fan podcast where we talk the history, the mystery, the magic, and the mythology of He Man, She Ra, Masters of the Universe, Princess of Power, Golden Books, Ladybird. Kid Stuff, UK Annuals, uh, Newspaper Comic Strips, uh, and my mind's blanked. So, what's going on, Sean? How are we doing today?
2: (laughs) I am still in amazement of these intros. I'm not going to lie.
1: (laughs) Because
2: there's a lot you remember that have to tell them, like, oh yeah, we're going to cover that eventually. I completely forgot.
1: Oh yes, we will get there.
2: (laughs) I'm doing all right. How are you?
1: Wonderful. Just check. Awesome. Okay. Sorry about that, I was getting a little feedback on my end, I just wanted to tune that down a little bit, everything looks good, we don't need any more issues, um, I'm Matthew Dooch, Sean Skibarna, Uh, and Woo-hoo! we're here to talk, uh, in reference to the issues, those of you that have been trying to listen to us on Apple products, the, using either iTunes or the podcast app, I have finally gotten everything figured out, uh,
0: yes, so hopefully you're <laughs> listening to us
1: with no problems at this point. Um, And make sure you go back and check out our earlier stuff, uh, because it's a lot of fun. Yeah. I'm a little biased, in that opinion. (laughs) Well, you know what? I mean, it
2: it, it helps. It's almost like that's the primer for what you're going to get into with these other episodes, because we got certain things out of the way of our opinions on things that we're going to keep addressing, so you'll get to go back and see why we are the way we are about some of these things exactly. through those episodes.
1: All right. Well, Sean, uh, so this is our 3.0. As most people know, we for the 0. .0 episode, we discuss a show of some sort. And for the 0. .5 episode, we discuss uh, literature. So, Sean, you yes. picked our show for today. So why don't I let you go ahead and introduce it? And actually, I, I will did. say I am on it. I'm surprised and not surprised that you chose this one, knowing (laughs) your background. um, And I'll get into that in a minute, but take it away, Sean.
2: Yeah, so today we are going to touch base on the Filmation episode Damar the Demon. And uh, the reason I chose that one, it actually is on the previous episode, so (laughs) I think it's episode one, check it out. But this was the first episode in my... Like late teens, early adulthood that I got to watch for the first time again since He-Man was off the air. And uh, I had a couple other ideas in my head and I'm like, no, 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 I've already addressed this on the show. Let's go to Damar the Demon. Uh, so I watched it last night just to uh, give myself a little bit of a, you know, back up and running about it, review it again. And I'm I'm pumped. I actually forgot the goodness of it this episode.
1: Yeah, I watched it again so, last night, too. Um, like I said, I didn't find it surprising because I knew the backstory of this being the first episode that reintroduced Sean. And I actually think that was on our uh, Curse of the Spellstone episode. Uh, I've both, honestly. but anyway, You should have checked them both out. If you haven't checked yeah. out those episodes, <laughs> uh, go ahead. We'll wait. <laughs> All right.
2: TikTok, TikTok. You're back now. <laughs> you
1: to find a way to do like a montage scene or something of us like training in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, in in a nutshell, I was surprised because I know you have a problem with the more uh kitty centric, I guess you could say, episodes of filmation. Um, and I know you had problems with it, you know, coming from your background knowing the mini comics first. And so I'm kind of, I was, mm-hmm. that's why I was surprised because this, this at its heart is one of the Orco uh, childlike episodes.
2: It, it it's is, very but um, it, it's extremely Orco centric but there was this charm to this episode watching it last night that it made me go, I'm glad this was one of my first ones to reintroduce myself into filmmation again. When I when I got away from it and you know came back, um, because this one ticks a lot of the boxes off that make me enjoy what filmation is about, and that's kind of funny considering, yeah, in my Hang head, one second, it was. Sean,
1: I don't mean to interrupt. Sorry about that, Sean. I just I saw a little bit of a glitch down there, and I want to make sure we were good to go. So please carry on.
2: No problem. No problem. So yeah, um. Filmation for me, I guess I have the stereotype of it being kitty centric But The Curse of the Spellstone completely threw that out the window. And House of Chakotty throws that out the window, which is another one you and I definitely agree on. Mm-hmm. And um, this one, I in my head, I thought, yeah, it's going to be a little more kitty centric But then watching it last night, I'm like, no, there's really some cool moments in this. And for it being the first one that I get back to, after I, what was it, probably 10 years of not watching the Filmation show, mm-hmm. it really made me go like, now this has some pretty good stuff. There is there is some kiddie stuff. There is some corny mm-hmm. stuff. But I'll admit, there there's one line in this episode that I actually took the time to find for my wife and show her the the line. We're going to address the line, too, because it's one of those <laughs> lines. And even she was laughing to the point of tears that she didn't realize they went there on these kind of
1: shows. So yeah, it, it's got some charm that I love. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I watched every watch it last night. Like I said, this one, I remember vividly from my childhood. Um, even if I couldn't tell you the episode or much more about it, I just, uh, that scene, especially ever since I was a kid where he man exits the castle and it just like, does that pan up and, is holding on to the the, the rock outcropping, mm-hmm. like, that just sticks with you. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: So uh, we might as well just jump into it.
2: Uh, Let's do so, it. So,
1: I mean, it opens up in the royal palace, and basically this whole episode centers around uh, this book of magic that the sorceress has lent man-at-arms, uh, so that he can kind of look around and, and into some other dimensions that are near Eternia's. Um, mm-hmm. And so he does this uh, finding a dimension really close to them called the Demon Dimension. Um, and for some reason, he builds a monitor so that they can peek at it and see all the nasty stuff in there.
2: Yeah, monitors play a role in this episode, too, just on them spying on Orca at one point. Yeah, and I'm that. like, that's just so random, but OK. Yeah, that <laughs> that annoyed me. Um, <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, they, they and and. were little bit of trivia here for you, using James E. Talk's wonderful complete guide to the animated series. Um, the script actually requested that this dimension on the monitor, uh, have a strange, surreal, Steve Ditko, Dr. Strange style environment, which, cool. Which it very much okay. does. It's got lots of the little, you know, floaty orbs and spinny things. Yeah. And you can tell it's a very different dimension. Um, One thing, I don't know, there's a few nitpicks here. There was actually more watching it last night than I thought I would have, surprisingly, considering I remember this so positively from childhood. Um, Okay. And it's it's all minor things. But here in this first scene when the royal family's all looking at the monitor here, um, and uh, 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 you actually see Damar fly at the screen and fly by. (laughs) Yeah. That kind of bugged me, because as we find out later, when Daymar comes to Eternia, he comes as the little form, you know, the little imp mm-hmm. demon form. So I thought that was a little weird that he was, I mean, I guess you could say he rever- reverts when he comes through the barrier or whatever, I don't know. but um, I, I just, the reason I bring it up is because last night I thought it was odd, like, having the full grown version. I think that would have been better saved for the reveal at the end. Um, and then mm-hmm. reading James's wonderful guide here, uh, you find out that that was actually supposed to be a different demon, and he was actually supposed to come out of the monitor and attack. So there was supposed to be a little bit of an action scene here that didn't make it. Enough.
2: That would have been cool. Yeah, like I, I honestly, I, I always had the impression it was a different demon, and it just hears something flying at the screen because then it would make kids go, "Ooh," yeah. you know, like or whatever. So, I mean, maybe I—I honestly, with how fast that part is, I didn't really take into it. It is him or not when he's grown. I've, yeah. Either it's one of the demons or whatever. Um, but yeah, I—I I thought that too. I thought it would have been awesome if they would have had something come out of there, and it would have given that whole you know, like the foreboding of the rest of the episode. Plus it would have been a nice little action sequence maybe where, you know, you got Adam running away, having to turn into he-man to protect his mom and dad and Duncan there. And instead it turns into, he looks hungry. I know how he feels. And they walk (laughs) out and it's like time for lunch. And I'm like that. There's these little weird moments like that in this episode that always just set me off on the, that isn't really no, like that doesn't work for me. But it, hey, it, you know, it, it's a twenty-minute show, <laughs> it's
1: a, and it says it was supposed to originally be a water creature. Then it was rewritten to be a fire creature, and then it was the whole scene was written out completely. Oh. Um, and for me, that would have helped with, um, it would have shown, it it would have shown that something else had kind of weakened the barrier, and mm-hmm. maybe that's why it made it possible for. Orko to bring Damar forth because that, that part kind of, it didn't bug me because I am, I do always feel that Orko is a very powerful magician, but it's like, okay, so the one one spell he got right, like right off the bat is summoning a guy from another whole dimension.
2: <laughs> well, and this is something, personally, the way the episode's set up, even at the ending, which I'm not trying to jump all the way to that now, but yeah, no, I'm there it. is this feeling yeah. of Maybe they would come back to this concept mm-hmm, at some mm-hmm. point because uh, I th- I feel like this is one of those concepts Filmation did where it's a strong enough concept they should have went back to it on yeah. another episode because when you see the effect that it has throughout the whole twenty minutes mm-hmm. you automatically know this is actually a kind of a big deal like yeah. Eternia and this dimension are that much you know between the veil you know it's like there's a very little veil between these two dimensions and stuff that you know man at arms brings it up you know it's like this is this is like what keeps the the science and sorcery here on Eternia you know it's like that's what affects that so the idea of the the balance shifting Mm -hmm is something that I feel like w- it would have worked in another episode to even go, you know, Hey, you know, something else is messing with this again or something.
0: Oh, Absolutely.
2: And, um, it, 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 going back to my, my favorites, you know, 2000 X probably <laughs> would have gone back to it if they had it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, not to go to that old, right. Uh, uh, you know, the same thing, the same thing that I always say, but yes, I, I actually thought that was a great concept with this episode. Oh yeah,
1: exactly. And then- that's the main thing about this episode. I'll say it right now because as we go along, the pacing gets a little wonky here. Um, but the structure and and the idea of this story is what makes it great and what's, what keeps it in my mind after all these years. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I know I jumped around a little bit there. My apologies. But um, I did want to say, we well, you mentioned the line from Prince Adam about how he's, you know, uh, yeah, Man Arm says he looks hungry and, and Prince Adam says he's not the only one. And there's a part mm-hmm. of me that uh, you think Adam like just kind of like practices those kind of moments in his mind like to <laughs> like he sits in bed at night like, OK, well, if, if they say this, I can say this. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just to help keep up that that carefree persona, because I'm sure inside, as we talked before, Adam is. Adam at his heart is He-Man. They're the same person, mm-hmm. but he's got to put on this act. So, I just imagine him lying there at night, um,
2: <laughs> just thinking up He's got a whole list yeah, he's got written like a down line, next like to a the bed. And,
1: a pen, and he's like, "Oh, I could say yep. this and it'll make me sound so yep. stupid." Like,
2: yep. <laughs> so, I know ways that can make my father think that I'm not interested in it.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> so, so
1: I know we I usually get to this part at closer to the end and you don't have to ever do this, but if you do do one for this episode, a little art drawing—that's what I want. I want Adam lying in bed <laughs> with the scroll, with all his little like excuses to get out of things. And he's like got some crossed off and some like underlined, and some like, oh, that's really good.
2: <laughs> the the thing the thing that I would love is the first five to maybe ten of them would be fishing, mm-hmm. and then after that, fishing with Cringer fishing with orco fishing with Ramman. and he just it's like all of it just starts with fishing because i've heard so many people in the past go oh yeah he's always fishing it's like that to me is almost like an own running gag right. within the community at this
1: point I want, I want i want the last one to say if all else fails just say i just remembered something i have to do
2: <laughs> yeah yeah well that actually should be number one maybe now that i think about it Then after that i have to go fishing i need to have lunch i should go fishing to get my lunch you know It just go through all the variations. oh
1: i love it uh but getting back on track here um so so yeah we got uh man arms looking in dimension i i found it funny because in curse of spellstone it all started with one of man arms inventions too and now here we are again uh, apparently yeah. uh, 50, 50% problems on Eternia would be solved if Man Arms would just stop tinkering with stuff.
2: Probably, um, probably.
1: Here again, I should start doing this at the beginning. Let's jump back for a minute here. So this this is a season one episode. It looks about, I don't know, a quarter of the way through. It's Kind of hard to tell just looking at my book. Uh, it was written by J. Bryn Stevens, was directed by Hal Sutherland, who is a producer on here and this is actually the yeah. only episode that he directed Huh. Um, okay. the script was approved in uh, January 17th of 1983 uh, and the final revision was in September 6th 1983 so they worked on this script for a while um, here mm-hmm. again we don't know the US air date but the UK air date was August 20th of 1984 Um, It would have premiered much quicker in the States because uh, the UK only did uh, an episode a week. Whereas here in the US, we were five days a week, every weekend, or every weekday afternoon, right? You had a new episode. Mm -hmm. Um, So, once again, it benefits from being a season one episode. This is actually one that... Was in the original series Bible. It was originally just titled "The Demon." They had, you know, in the first series Bible, they had some different um, plot synopsis. So, and it, you can see it went through a ton of rewrites. And we'll get into that probably at the end of this episode. Um, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. All
0: right. But
1: so we've got uh, we've got every the royal family all eating. Uh, we cut to Orko. He's you know. He he's being his kitty best. He's playing outside. He's bored. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't mind it honestly. I know a lot of people have problems with the childlike Orko, but you mm-hmm. know what? He's he, he's a good magician. He can have a little bit of rest here and there.
0: Hmm. Uh,
2: I didn't mind it actually. I mean, most kids like I I don't know. I'm. I'm a hypocrite about orca because there's times where I'm completely cool with him being childlike because of when I watched it. Mm -hmm. Like when I was a kid, I was the same way. You know, if my friends were busy, I'd be sitting out there. I wish I had someone to play with, you know, or whatever. And, it's like now, I mean, you and I talk like this. We don't have anybody in our lives other than going this way to talk uh, right. to someone who likes masters. So the, it is like, I still understand that to an
1: extent. You know, I want to talk shop. You exactly. know,
2: we should have somebody to talk to. No, yeah. well, we
1: all get bored. I mean, now we sure. just fill that time with laundry and dishes and oh, home yeah. repairs. So.
2: And- <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> all the fun. All the fun. Um uh, so basically, uh, yeah, he's bored, he goes off trying to find a friend, and he comes across the Sorceress's Book of Magic, which I will say this bugged me so much during the episode, because every time that Book of Magic shows up in a scene, it is a different color, or it's got a different cover, I don't, know, uh, I don't know if you caught that, but it was bugging me I, intensely. I didn't.
2: I thought you were just going to be bugged by the fact that it just says magic across the cover. <laughs> no, I love that. It's very <laughs> – this is the book of magic. What else would it say? There's it's, no mistaking it. No
1: mistaking it at all.
2: <laughs> it's not the Necronomicon where there's this crazy weird evil face on no. it. No, it just says magic. <laughs>
1: sometimes, but sometimes it's got like a white background. Sometimes it's blue. Sometimes it's pink. Um, And, and I even said in my head, well, it is the – it is the book of magic. So it probably like changes colors constantly. Cause there's so much magic in it. But yeah, that, that ugh. minor, nitpick, minor <laughs> nitpick. I'm getting hung up on them today.
2: It's okay. Hey, that's,
1: that's one of those things I did not catch
2: last <laughs> night watching it. Cause I was just like, I was just big picture watching it last night. Right. And I don't catch that stuff sometimes.
1: But yeah, they, uh, it, it's, it's the book of magic. It's open to Damar, the demon, which Man Arms had said his whole destiny, his purpose for being, is to break through the barrier and enslave and conquer Eternia, and Bran- mm-hmm. he's gonna he's gonna come through. Um, he comes through as a little imp type creature, uh, and he cocoons mm-hmm. and he matures into his his final form there, uh, mm-hmm. which is the big winged horn demon. Which both of them are really neat designs. I really like Daymar's designs. Mm-hmm. His final form is menacing and imposing and, and his starter form is, is just so he's like the adorable little creature. Like he's, he's, he's an mm-hmm. Ewok. He's, you know, you, you could see them like doing a stuffed animal of him, like as a throw pillow or whatever. Cause he's just this little, yep. little imp creature.
2: Well, I, I like that, uh, the idea of it is something that cute wouldn't be something that's supposed to be scary and bring all this like Armageddon basically and you know even as a kid you know he they'd have John Orwin make it his little giggling noises and stuff and it worked for me when I was a kid and you know you see you know Orko flying around with him and stuff and then when you see him in his final form you're just like holy
1: crap like
2: yeah <laughs> that's that's just crazy you know but here again get- um, here again,
1: just for just for um I don't know. Just just my if I were writing it, I I because Mad Arms here and a few times once again they flip the page of the book, it shows the cocoon and it shows his final form. I still think I would have kept the final form from being revealed. I think it would have had uh, a bigger impact there with that shot at Casperisco. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's fine the way they did it.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Yeah,
1: I, I didn't I,
2: – I I mean, Orko only sees the one page. So I like the idea that he just sees them. Oh, he's this cute little thing I can play with. And then the other page when I, – I think there's an element of – I like that you get to see it only from the level of now you know what He-Man has to deal with at the end of the episode yeah. at least. As a kid, you're, you're kind of like, okay, when he ma- – it's like Gremlins. Yeah. When he makes that cocoon or when they encase themselves – it's like there's going to be something coming out you don't want to have come out. So, in that way, but yeah, I, I kind of, I actually could see why you want to, would rather do that. And I actually think that would have been more effective the more I think
1: yeah. about it. Yeah. Like I said, minor nitpick that's scene it that through the adult eyes. As a kid, it was still, like I said, that scene still stuck with me where He Man encounters him for the first time. Mm hmm. Um hmm. But yeah, and they also they also used a similar like you said, Gremlins have used this concept. Uh they even used a similar concept in the new adventures of He Man, uh the show. Uh oh, in the five parter where Skeletor and the Mutants actually take over, that's how they take over. They send these creatures, these tiny little cute creatures that the name escapes me at the moment, and they grow into these big beasts that help them take over. So it, it's 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 huh. effective. It's used a lot. And uh no, I liked it here. Orko saw his cute little da- – and it doesn't even say demon. it's a Daymar there. So he's just like, well, Daymar, come on yeah. and play. Cast a little spell, mm-hmm. you know, comes on through. He can't make an egg disappear, but he can, you know, pull a guy from another dimension. That's,
2: sure. that's perfectly fine. <laughs> Why not? But like
1: you said, I think, I think it's – and I think the original script made it so that it was a little bit more than just that. Like he – like, it was... You can even say it was a destiny. It was his time to come through. The barrier's weak because Mandarm's tinkering with it. And so he's able to pull mm-hmm. him through, you know?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, sorry about that, My Throat good Uh <laughs> So, yeah. So then, uh, I think at this point, right, you get Skeletor and evil go going a little bit here?
2: Well, they when they're having lunch... The, there's right. this weird wave that starts coming around Eternia, and there, it's like all of the vision starts becoming almost like it's underwater, yeah. this wave of, of like, waviness uh, – wave of waviness. Now, no, that's brilliant. Yeah. No, it is. But, like, there, There's this, like, spectral wave that hits mm-hmm. Eternia and so like stuff starts happening in the palace and uh again you know the whole king randor he's eating but he has his eyes closed marlena's like what was that what what, was what you know (laughs) and and like these weird little coincidences are happening and and man-at-arms and adam they're like i bet i know who's behind this and there they go to man-at-arms uh workshop and we have that moment that was solidifying for me um and I, i can't remember if the snake mountain scene happens from the lunch to them going to the workshop does, or does. if it happens after that, but, We're, but we do have Skeletor and evil in also find out there's something happening. Yeah. They can, they, they, they sense it and they see there's this weird, uh, energy coming through Eternia.
1: Yeah. And I really love those effects the, and the music, there's like this creepy little music and like the whole thing just shimmers. It, yeah, kind mm-hmm. of underwater, but I mean it's it's a very unique effect, I'll say. It's not quite underwater. Yeah. It, there's almost a fog there and yeah, and, oh, Randor is just going to town on that leg <laughs> that, that tur- turkey or chicken, yeah, whatever it is. Turkey had, leg or whatever it is. <laughs> God, Adam said he was hungry. Randor was starving. He was
2: R- Randor's having like meditation while he's in the middle of lunch cuz he's just Oh,
1: he is
0: where's
2: why?
1: You know, he's barely opening
2: his eyes and he's just so focused on that leg. And it's like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's one of those things. Again, it doesn't paint him in a good light for me as who I am about how Randor is on
1: Filmation. It's like,
2: it's like, yeah, you're closing your eyes while you're eating. What else are you supposed to be doing right now? You know, or whatever.
1: But But yeah, no, I like, um, I like that scene. It's, it's really neat. Everything's flying everywhere. The whole table comes, the, the tablecloth comes off and, I'm yeah. not really sure how they went to Orco right away for that or Man Arms workshop, but sure, it gets the story moving along. Um,
2: it does. I think Man at Arms just has it in for Orco all the time <laughs> at this point. It's like there's there's one cat out of my cats that I particularly always gun for because I know she's the one that always gets in <laughs> trouble the most. So it's just the whole by default, it's That's you. Right. I blame you. Dishonor on you, dishonor on your <laughs> cow, you know, all that stuff. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh,
2: Mushu,
1: Mushu. Uh, Yeah <laughs> um, So yeah And then we get the the Snake Mountain scene Which here again, this I found interesting too Is that uh, it's very much That same early season 1 Skeletor-Evilin relationship That we saw in Curse of the Spellstone So I won't go into as much mm-hmm. here But once again you feel they're very much equals They're both going to screw the other over The second they get a chance mm-hmm. Um and and I like it. I like that. I like that evil Lynn. I don't like a subservient evil Lynn. She shouldn't be. She's too powerful to just be completely subservient to Skeletor. You know, mm-hmm. uh, she's used. Yeah. It's very much a use, use relationship.
2: To me. Yeah. But I, I like in the two episodes we've covered for Filmation, how you see why they are who they are in the, the list for me, at least of the villains, because like when they're on screen together, the chemistry works, Mm -hmm. the writing usually is, is really good for the two of them. And I like me liking the Shikodi episode. It reminds me a little of that where there's that interplay between the two of them. and, I think working together, they are a lot more scary than, you know, him and having Beastman at his side or him having Trap Jaw or whatever. There's always this the, – between the two of them, they could wreck some stuff, oh, absolutely. you know, and and it's fun to see them working together again on this one, which I didn't plan for that to happen. It just
1: happened. No, that, and that's what I find interesting, <laughs> um, and I think we'll probably see more of that as we go along, especially in the, the you know – I won't say before we start digging, but there will come a point where we're, we're kind of thinking a little more right now. We're just kind of going off the top of our heads. uh, The episodes that just kind of, we think of he man, we think of She-Ra whatever. And these are the episodes that come to the top of our head. And I just find it interesting that it's these same kind of elements that are showing up here again and again, so far um, Mm -hmm. that really resonate but yeah, and, and we'll see here, uh, we're going to get a little out of order here, because this is where the pacing gets kind of wonky to me. Like, it kind of jumps back and forth, uh, even fervorously, almost. Um, but Evil-Lynn will go and, uh, oh no, before we get to that, uh, Adam and Man-at-Arms, they're talking They're talking about, you know, they realize that the picture of Damar is gone. Obviously, he must yep. be summoned. To this dimension uh, because if you live on Eternia that's clearly what uh, a picture missing from a paper means <laughs> um, and, and honestly I know I know that came off as a bit of a joke but that's honestly how I feel like a lot of times people are kind of like well you know how would they get from here to there and it's like well if you live in this magical world it's not a far step to say like okay this means this because magic you know
2: um. <laughs> but then it, see like i can almost picture a robot chicken skit right here and i'm not trying to turn this into a first yeah. but i'm just like okay so man at arm sees that the picture is missing yeah. they weren't on that page like they flipped to that page like Orco found it or whatever if i remember right so it wasn't like they were focused on that and i'm just picturing man at arms going i bet Orco did this and then you have a printer it, it, like on Eternia, who's going and and finding out there's all these misprints of this book of magic, and they all are missing this right. page. Like, well, we got to destroy the whole bunch. We're missing this picture in here, you know, or whatever. And I just I can't yeah. help it. That's where my mind goes to in my my older self. It's like you know, it might not just be Orco, dude. Right. Calm down, slow your roll. You, you know? know,
1: like you said, <laughs> it comes down to a 20 minute children's cartoon that yes, we are nitpicking yes, here. Does. Now,
2: just having a little bit of fun with it. Now, so. <laughs> almost 40
1: years later. God. Ouch. Uh, a less than that, 35-ish. But still, um, but yeah, I mean, it, but if you put your mindset into, okay, this this is a planet with talking cats and where anybody can summon things, you know, well, not anybody, but a lot of people can just summon things out of thin air. Um yeah. And this this is why here again I'm not trying to harp back, but this is why Eternia needs to feel like a foreign planet, an alien world. Because once you get alien enough, anything is possible. Yeah. I mean, if you look at everything that happens in any of these series through the eyes of strictly an Earthling, like yeah, uh, yeah, you can poke holes in any of it. But you, this is a different world, different rules. And that's all I'll say about it here. Go check out Curse of the Spellstone. I get a little more in depth on the <laughs> alien world thing. But, uh, but yeah, so, but I do, I did love the urgency. Once Man Arms puts it together, and here again, we have Man Arms being written very well. He's very smart, he's very knowledgeable. He's, he goes, well, this, and they did talk, they did look at that page earlier. They talked about, da- you know, the whole mm-hmm. prophecy of Damar and everything. Um, mm hmm. And just his his sense of urgency with Adam, we need help. Like he's like, man, uh-huh. this is. And then it cues right into that. Da, 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 you know? Yeah. Um. Once again, those scenes, every episode. I don't care what's happening when Adam transforms, especially when there's a sense of urgency in the scene beforehand. Mm-hmm. That 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 kicks it up to another level for me. Um,
2: yeah. The that one last night, I knew that was coming. And that was the moment, like I said on the previous episode, where, you know, 17 year old me putting in that VHS and getting to actually watch that transformation for some reason was all I needed. It it just it just completely smiling ear to ear and just feeling like I'm five again, running around in my backyard yelling I have the power and stuff because any, like you said, anytime that it's you know, chips are the chips are down. We got to do this. Mm-hmm. Something big is going to happen if if nobody intercedes or interrupts this. And the whole uh, the precursor before that with Man at Arms explaining Damar is going to bring his armies mm-hmm. to to Eternia and you know Adam, we need help, and it's just. The, the Yeah, the urgency, the setup is perfect to have, like, okay, this is this is a job for He-Man yep. at that point. I love it. I love that transformation so much right
1: Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Yep, and then we get we get He-Man there, oh. and I think it's actually a little b- before this, uh, we get the convenient monitor monitoring the palace grounds and just happens yep. to see Orko and Daymar run by, which...
2: <laughs> the uh, timing is amazing on that <laughs>
1: yeah and especially because I might have been able to buy a low morph as like like a wide shot of like just the palace grounds but yeah. it's literally like, yeah. like you. well for those of you, of you on YouTube like how you can see me and Sean right now like it's literally like a yeah. close up like it's zoomed in <laughs> on them and, and,
2: and like, Adam <laughs> looks at it right at the exact moment yeah. where there they fly by the screen and you're just like Really like like that was you guys have been at lunch but for some reason that patch of the forest mattered that much to have it and suddenly there it, it, I don't know it's like it, uh, you know you can poke holes and stuff but then there's moments like that <laughs> And that's. That's, for me, that's very like eye-rolling, and I can't help it. That's just me on that yeah, part. Yeah, I,
1: I did cringe last night watching that. I'm like, ugh. Oh. Because <laughs> in there, either in there or right before there, you already got the scene where Orko hears Man-Arms yelling, and he tells Damar, we need to get out of here because he thinks Man-Arms is mad about something, you know, to clean up the room, yep. whatever. Um, and he tells him, we need to take off. Man-Arms and Adam have already put together the pieces that Orko is behind this. So, it yeah. was just, it was so unnecessary. Like, you already know Orko's taken off. You know mm. it is Orko. And, yeah, that, that's one I can't, you know, usually I can come up with something in my head like, you know, like the Book of Magic. Well, it's magic, so it changes colors. Um, this one, I got i got nothing, guys. You got me on that scene. That—that <laughs> uh, That is just one of those cringy moments. But it's over quick,
2: so. I'm not... Well, I'm not here to win this kind of stuff, but there is a part of me going, I'm glad that you get it too. You know, because <laughs> like, uh, like anytime I've seen it, even when I was younger, rewatching it on the VHS, I'm like, oh, you know, it, I mean, it, it's such a small little moment, but it, it, for some reason it just sticks out like a sore thumb, no matter what you do in that part. Absolutely. Um, but we get, we get the, uh, the transformation and now we have He-Man. Needing to get out there and get some stuff done, which is yeah, I'm never complaining about that, so
1: yeah, this and this is my one <clears throat> you know, the Oracle moment was my cringy moment, I know I've had a couple of nitpicks, but this whole kind of you could almost even call it a montage it's it's these scenes are really oddly paced guys uh, if you watch the episode recently you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, um so I'm not gonna get this in order by any means because it's it's jumping all over the place between. Uh, Skeletor, evil uh the palace, Orko and Daymar and He-Man and he meets up with Teela here. Um, but I guess we could just break it down into different segments as a whole uh, until we meet back up at Castle Grayskull. Uh, I, uh, so we start off with I know we start off with Orko and Damar taking off and yep. then He-Man and Battle Cat are literally like five feet from them. And and, mm-hmm. and I guess that's my biggest nitpick at this point is, with the episode, is that Orko didn't, and Daymar did not get any sort of a head start. Battlecat is a cat. He should be able mm-hmm. to smell them and track them.
0: Mm-hmm. But instead
1: we act like they have no idea where they're going. Um, and we're just going to roam the countryside heading vaguely in Grayskull's direction and hope we catch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's my big nitpick for this episode uh, well they had, we f- yeah,
2: go ahead. we forgot one thing though there is one other part in here that I, I just remembered. we have the sorceress too
1: oh yes, yes, we do get there. and hurt. that's
2: that's lo- what's now like the forward momentum because and this is another weird moment it's not as weird as that you know oh, here's the monitor focused on this stuff, but uh you have the sorceress, and she's creating a spell of liquid yeah. light. And it, apparently this has taken her a while to perfect and a while to to coalesce into this you know, glowing orb in front of her. And when the wave of the uh, spiritual wave or the dimensional wave goes through Eternia, that spell is ruined. And then that's when it's her signaling to He-Man, you have to come to Castle Grayskull, there's something going on. Yeah we need your help. So it, like, that's kind of the, okay, it's pushing him in the direction of gray skull. Right. But one thing that when, when I started rewatching it uh, from even a teenager amused me about that part for some reason. And, and it, this is me nitpicking. So, you know, sure. take it grain of sand moment. But when the orb is, it, it, dis, it disappears with the, the wave coming across Eternia and she's like, my spell—it's ruined—and mm-hmm. then she just walks away. And there's this way—it's like I know, it, like in the in the scheme of things, she's going to the window. She's yeah. looking out to see what the problem is. But with her talking it up as sounding like it took her how long to make this spell work, it's just she's kind of like got this. Oh well, and she just moves on with her life. I just I, I feel like now you're allowed to get mad. You're allowed to stomp your feet here or something. You know, I just feel bad, but. Yeah. Like, it's like no, we got story. Let's do, let's get to the actual meat of the story. But I don't know. That always struck me as an odd paced moment too. Yeah, it's, like it, since we're talking the odd. Pacing, and
1: it is because so. actually that that scene comes a little later because uh, He Man's got Tila with him by the time the sorceress contacts him. Yeah, that's him. right. Um, but yeah, here, like I said, it's it's odd pacing here. This whole middle section here is very oddly paced. Um, mm-hmm. You know. I I took it as watching it last night, especially I took it as she's more focused on the the the
0: the, the trouble. trouble. Um,
1: yeah. But I will say that that since you brought it up, the sorceress standing there with like her concentrating everything. oh yep. my God, beautiful animation. You can mm-hmm. really you can feel the energy in her. Th- she looks like she's really concentrating. I mean, it just. Well, plus those backgrounds—the backgrounds of Grayskull. I love that. I love that weird chamber room. They never really gave it a name, as far as I know. Yeah. Uh, but the inside architecture of Grayskull is just amazing, with all the weird statues and everything. It's and the the, the columns that like spiral around and. I I've yeah, always it's an organic that. design. Yeah, I've always loved the yeah, inside it's of Grayskull Greyskull it, and filmation.
2: It's it's like. You know, for as much as I like 2000X, I still think there is something to the filmation design because 2000X had it way too regimented as a castle. And even as a kid, I always had it that Grayskull was something more of an organic thing that just developed over eons, right. not here's somebody building a structure, you know. And even uh, the original concept yeah. that Mark Taylor did. It was never supposed to have clean lines and stuff. It was, it was always this just yeah. – and anim- Morpheus kind of a shape. So you know, Philbation definitely has still like the iconic gray skull no matter Absolutely. what as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah, and, and we won't get too far into it, but like I always found it weird whenever they tried to make it more – because there's different variations of it, even in the vintage. Uh, those Texera mini-comics where he made it like pretty much a fort, where it had like the four yeah. walls and very clean lines. That always look so goofy and weird to me, like like you said. And uh, it probably belongs more for the Into the Abyss episode, but you know what, we'll talk about it here. Uh, the, the actual, and I know you know this, Sean, uh, the actual idea behind... Castle Grayskull was that there were two giant monsters in prehistoric times that got locked into battle. They both died, and Castle Grayskull was built on over their bones. So, mm-hmm. like, the whole facade of Grayskull, that's actually like a creature's skull that the Praeternians used to, you know, to make this castle. And then the whole... Uh, um, never had a good name for it but the whole that whole ramp leading up to it that's another creature that's like its spine that they built the entrance up to
2: and see that lot stuff like that is where i would give filmation huge props i never knew that until the last few years and it, like as a kid i always thought it looked interesting and you know there's this organic shape to it but now knowing that like Again, I would love to actually have an episode where they go, this is what it looked like. This is the whole battle. And, you know, that kind of stuff is it's it's the the beauty of masters is always they can give you those little nuggets and your mind can start painting that picture. And no matter what they would tell you, it's like, no, I I like what I got up here based on what you told me, you know.
1: And that's that's one thing I like to put out there to all the filmation haters. Say what you will. They put a lot of effort into a series. They did not phone mm-hmm. it in. You know, a lot of the, especially after this, and especially into the 90s, a lot of these licensed property shows, which is what this is, uh, they would really just phone it in. They're just like, okay, we'll just throw these characters in here. And either there would be very little story thought, basic stories, or they would go and do, or you'd see the series where they just kind of, like, uh, like, they just kind of did episodes without any real thought to... The property it came from um mm-hmm. you know like uh what's well, around the same time but like the like the mario brothers shows if you watch if you go back and watch those cartoons they have like nothing to do with the game you know at all
0: mm-hmm.
1: um they're just kind of whatever uh but film nation really did before production even started i mean you can see the dates here i mean from january of 83 to september of 83 they were working on this script they sat down and wrote out an entire series Bible before they even started on a script. And they, they gave answers to stuff like how, how is Castle go formed? They took this toy that Mattel had and they go, well, why would it look like that? And they mm-hmm. created this stone bridge leading up to it. And they go, well, why would that look like that? And these guys put so much heart and thought into this world and said, we need this to make sense to us so that we can write in it. Mm-hmm. And, and it's stuff that was never, never even used, really. I mean, uh, obviously, like I mentioned, Into the Abyss is based on... Um, dang it, who wrote Into the Abyss? Uh, it's going to bug me now.
2: I will never, ever admit that I know I know the writers for the ones that I love the most, and that's about it, because I'm not... I am definitely no James Etock in this case. I will say that.
1: <laughs> James, call me. Let me know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the writer of Into the Abyss, he got that idea because he read the description of Castle Grey School from the series Bible, and it talked about the abyss and everything. And he basically said, "Well, we need uh, uh, a show around that." So, um, and I won't go too much more into that because I'm sure we'll get to Into the Abyss eventually. But uh, oh yeah, but yeah, it's just. For all those people who said Filmation phoned it in, they were just trying to sell toys. No, they, Filmation could care less about selling toys. Mattel wanted to sell toys, and that's why they let Filmation do what they did. But even Lou's original deal said that Filmation would have final creative say. So he wrote that mm-hmm. into the beginning. He said, "He, I'm not getting into this and letting you come in and go, well, we're going to do this, this, or this. Because he wanted to tell good stories with good messages, and he accomplished it. So, back to uh the Demon. Sorry about that tangent. Yep. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, we've got He-Man and Battle Cat uh, running around trying to trying to find Orko and Daymar. Uh They meet up with Tila, who was standing, like, two feet in front of Orko. Um, not paying
2: attention. That whole situation was weird to me, yeah. too. And that's always been one. It, it, like, for as long as I remember this episode, it was like, they were right there. Rare. Yeah.
1: That's what I'm saying. They were they were right there, and yet we couldn't do it. Yeah. Tila's a highly trained warrior, and she didn't notice two people. Even if she didn't stop them, you'd think she would have at least been yeah. like, "Hey, Orca, what's going on?" Because, mm. but she's out training there, and so He Man just like, "Hey, why don't you come for a ride with me?" He picks her up, and they start they start cruising along. I always loved how He Man always <laughs> made Tila ride. Uh, well, I want to keep this family friendly, so but he always <laughs> he always made her ride in the back. He never. He never gave yep. her the seat if he was already riding. Nope. You know, yeah,
2: you, you notice nope. that. <laughs> so, so one thing I want to point out as well on this episode, and this is probably what really endears me to the episode, is this is one of those episodes similar to Diamond Ray of Disappearance where any time He Man shows up, nine out of ten times you're going to get the theme song kicking in every time. So he shows up and all he does is just show up and there's Tila doing her training. And you know, you have the judo 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 music, but then the minute he shows up, boom, the theme song kicks in and she's like, he man, it's like, you're darn right. It's he man. And he's playing his song. And from pretty much the transformation on anytime he shows up, his theme songs kicking in in this. And uh, that's that to me is another one of those. Any time Filmation pulls that, it makes me happy because that song is just so. It's it's as a, a, iconic as the shot of Grayskull, as iconic as the uh, transformation sequence here for oh, me. Absolutely. So um, I, I love that. <laughs> uh, okay. Sorry, I was really trying to look
1: this up. Uh, okay. So yeah, uh, I, I agree with you. Oh, it's Robert Lamb. Thank you. Sorry about that guys. I had to look that up. (laughs) I wanted to say Robert Lamb too, but I couldn't remember for sure. So yeah, Robert Lamb rode into the abyss. Okay. I feel better now. Sorry about that, Sean. There we go. (laughs) No problem. Sean knows. I've actually like texted him after we've gotten off (laughs) either just talking or, or on the shows before I've texted him and been like, it was this or it was that because I yes. I can't let things go if I can't remember. Well,
2: I I figure, you know, the whole the whole purpose of this, we always said you wanted to talk about this stuff and, you know, spotlight it in a way where it'll get fans involved or yes. you know, get people to reminisce. But then the other part I know for you is you want to get the facts and Dude. I'm just the guy who's along to just make my little, you know, I, I'm basically that guy <laughs> and you're the facts guy. It, it, you're, you're Joe Friday, just a facts just man. A you know? <laughs> that way. And I'm the, I'm the guy going, oh, because like it it's playing his theme song. And, <laughs> them, you know? so, like,
1: and, I, and I like shabooty. to get the facts right because there's a lot <laughs> of false information out there and a lot of people who say stuff just assuming things. And I don't, I don't ever want to do that. I want to spread good information and give my opinion, too. There so, yeah, you go. so basically we've got He-Man and Tila join up, and they're they're basically just running around all over. Uh, the Sorceress will yep. eventually contact them, and then they'll head to Skull. And that's the thing. That's, that's pretty much them, this whole middle segment. So I don't know why we need it. I mean, they'll keep popping up. And things will happen. You know, there, there's a scene with them where plants are growing giant. This wave keeps hitting a little more frequently. Uh, this, Yeah, wave. yeah. That plant scene, though, um, <clears throat> it didn't really do anything. The plants grew big. Nope. And then they're just like, oh, this is, the plants shouldn't do that. And they just keep going. Um, And
2: then there's that animal that it's in the woods oh, yeah. or whatever. That
1: I did like. And- <laughs> I like that.
2: <laughs> okay, okay. So, yeah, you have uh, – I, I, is it during that part? I can't remember. No, that's, that's when the they get right – that's it's when a, they finally
1: get to Grayskull.
2: Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, but I, I do like that where you see what it is after the wave ends, yeah. but through the whole – and even he is like, I'm glad we didn't see what was the other version
0: of Yeah,
1: because you hear all that growling and roaring. And yeah. You hear something stomping, yep. and then, like, the yep. wave hits and just this tiny little, like, dino pops out, and he's just like, meow, mm-hmm. and he goes off.
2: I just thought of something here, and I'm not trying to tangent again because I know we're tangenting a little bit lately, yeah. but here's here's something that could have been an interesting thing they did, and I'm sure they didn't do it because of the time constraint, but the fact that He-Man is already in the mix here, it might have been a really interesting episode for them to mess with the power of Grayskull. Even. Yeah. And they never once, when these waves hit, there's never once a moment where He-Man either doesn't have the strength or yeah. doesn't have, or maybe even the worst of it could have been. What if Cringer and Adam showed up for yeah. a minute, and it's like, what the heck's that about? And it could have ruined things. And instead, it's like anything magical is is messing up, except for right. He Man and except for Battle Cat.
1: Then. Yeah, that's true. So yeah, that would have added...
2: just just a little something to throw a wrench into the theories <laughs> on this even more. No, that
1: that would have been pretty good. Um, I will say that in another deleted scene, Act One. Uh, did originally end with the with Vines entangling He-Man, Battle Cat, and Teela. So I think that's the uh, payoff to that plant growing uh, scene. Mm-hmm. But then they cut that and it just became nothing. Um, but like Sean said, at the same time, Skeletor's affected, evil Lens affected, um, the Sorceress is getting really weak, very weak, and she seems to be the most affected, oddly enough, considering He-Man's power isn't affected at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I, I did
2: an evil. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I, I was just going to say evil Lynn actually gets her hands on the book of magic. Yeah, to too. Then, But I think I'm, I'm pushing a little further. because I'm having a hard time remembering it, like the chapter and verse here. Yeah, myself We're not going like to remember it's in that order.
1: I just been going. Ba- so basically that was he, man and Tila's journey in there at castle Grayskull. Yep. Uh, Skeletor yep. and evil Lynn. Evil Lynn is sent to go find out what the problem is. She ends up, breaking into the palace very easily did not like that either um <laughs> and takes the takes the book of magic. i liked her freezing the the royal family there and man arms and everything mm-hmm. that was cool and then taking mm-hmm. the book of magic i just didn't like how she just like i'm here it's like well why yeah. don't you just do that <laughs> all the time until eventually you win um yeah so it, it, well
2: that's how they did it in the movie yeah <laughs> they just showed up right there and boom that's boom. how they won so
1: uh, yeah. So she steals the Book of Magic, she takes it back to Skeletor, they figure out about demar and so they plan to go track him down too, uh, but mm-hmm. to enslave him and for Skeletor to use him as his own goon, basically, it sounds like. He never really, there's never really a clear-cut plan here for the evil warriors either.
2: Yeah, I just, I just remember, like, all of the stuff happening on Eternia is making him just feel like there's a basically it's the typical if you want to go very ground level Skeletor plot it's you know there's power and it must be mine and that's it and that's basically what you get here because when she gets the book back to him he actually says I must harness his power it must be mine and that's about it and from there on it's just Skeletor wants the power but you don't really know like does he know how to get that power I mean this is it's like shackled to Daymar. It's not like I don't think that's something he can take upon himself. It'll be okay. I'm gonna enslave right. Damar, but you know I don't know. It's the whole tiger by the tail thing with this idea that Skeletor has. So. Yeah, and I
1: don't. It never really feels like Skeletor has a clear cut plan, especially once we get to Grey Skull here. Um, I was making this about Yeah, uh, <laughs> honestly, I think this episode could have done fine without Skeletor. Completely, I think there's enough of a danger from Damar that you didn't need another force. But
2: yeah, I, I I think the only thing that it adds is like a ticking clock element of who's going to get there first and who's going to sway Damar first, basically. And yeah. it, I, I I do feel like Skeletor's part in this is so minimal compared to everything else that's happening. I think you're yeah. right. If he wasn't in it, it really wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. There's too many other working, uh, moving, moving parts. Yeah, I mean, he,
1: he works for when we finally get to the end there, and we'll get to that. But, but yeah, sure. if, if he'd been ran out, I think the episode still would have stuck with me as much as it does. Um, yeah. So, yes, and that's the last we see of the palace. You know, man arms never attempts to try and come help. The king and queen are fine. Take the book <laughs> of magic. We're, you know... <laughs> It's like, it's like the mugging, it's like, take my wallet, leave me alone, okay, we're good. I'm not, no, I'm not going to call the cops, they won't do
2: anything. If that book isn't back by the due date, I'm fining you, Skeletor.
1: <laughs> um, uh, so then it's just Orko and Damar. which here again, it's basically just them traveling. Uh, Orko decides that they have to go to school because the sorceress will basically hide them out from Man-at-Arms. Um, <laughs> it's not quite the Runaway Orco episode, uh, no. but it's, it's pretty close. It's, it's man at arms is mad at me. I'm going to take my new friend and we're going to go visit the sorceress. Yeah. Um, and then Damar, you know, uh, ba- when they're getting close, he gets really tired. Um, I think that, I think the episode could have benefited too from kind of showing the passage of time a little better. Um, Mm -hmm. because at times it feels like, oh, this is happening one right after the other. But then like here, it feels like, okay, they must've been traveling for a bit here. Plus, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's his body going like, okay, it's time to cocoon, which is what he And on
2: top of that, well, the, the, the dimensional shift, I, I'm sure there's like a element of wear and tear that you might figure, okay, he, he just went from one dimension to the other. Eh, I'll give him that. It's like jet yeah. lag or something, you know.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, so we get we get the moment to where he spins the cocoon, and Orko's like, "Oh, that looks comfy." And he so he lays down with him, and they both he falls, Orko falls asleep as well. And then by the time he wakes up, it is night night time. Um, and that was weird too. He wakes up like once and then goes back to sleep or something. There was I know there was something weird with the Orko scenes too. Like, they cut back to him, like, trying to wake up Daymar, and he can't, so then he goes back to sleep. It was... Once again, it's a very oddly paced here in this middle section. I think there could have been yeah. some more trimming here, a little cleaner. And it's funny, because one of the things I appreciated watching it last night... uh was that they weren't immediately at Grayskull like they are in a lot of episodes and especially in like season two, it seems like they zip all around the world like nothing. Yeah. I do like it when it yeah. takes a minute to get there, especially traveling by foot like they are. It makes you feel like, okay, the castle Grayskull is not sitting right outside the Royal Palace. This is like a stretch.
2: The The thing is with episodes like this, where it's the the race against the clock I always feel like they make Greyskull seem like it's on the other side of the world because yeah. that's kind of – I actually was thinking that too watching it. Like, like usually they'll be right outside of Greyskull within minutes in certain episodes and then there's other ones like this where they're going through the forest. They're going through this. They're going through that and it's it, you know the whole I'm, I'm trying to get their sorceress kind of yeah. a thing and – um it's like they did that intentionally, I'm sure, on this episode to just build in you know the the race against time aspect, but it did it really did feel like it took them a third of the episode just right. to get there, which normally wouldn't happen in my opinion but
1: right, and like i said i I appreciate it being a journey, but just the way the the scenes are set up it's it yeah. could have taken the same amount of time, but with cleaner scenes, it wouldn't have felt as long um agreed. And, but then we finally get Orca wakes up, it's the middle of the night, and uh, he finds that the cocoon has grown, and it's empty now, and I, I like that shot, yep. I like that shot with like just a big hole in the cocoon, and he's like, "Well, where are you, and then he finds the big footprint, and he's like, okay, this is weird, um, mm-hmm. and then he heads towards Grayskull <laughs> on his own, and this finally sets up our our... Are ending here. Once they get to Grayskull, it yeah. all kicks back in. It's it's like okay, this yep. is the episode I started watching again.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Go ahead.
2: Well, we get we get uh, the 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 uh, good old by the power of Grey Skull, I command the Jaw Bridge open. I love, like, that. Yeah. I love that. I love opening Grayskull that way.
1: I don't like uh-huh. the the. Either the, I don't like it when the Sorceress just opens it or when it's just open already. It's I like that. and it even To me, it, I'm sure it stemmed from the original two halves of the Power Sword opening Castle Grayskull because he uses mm-hmm. the sword every time. He doesn't even just say it. He, uh-huh. he uses the sword to command the Jawbridge open. I like mm-hmm. that way of still having the sword be the key to Castle Grayskull um, even with the the abyss there, because in the mini comics in the mm-hmm. comics where they used the actual sword to open it, there was no abyss, and you could just walk right up to the door and put it in. So, <laughs>
2: I, do I have to have it one way or the other? You know, it's like when you're using your house keys. Yeah, to get get to get again.
1: which side does the riches go in? Yeah, WD forty, spray some WD forty in there. Yeah, exactly. but no, I've always I've always loved that. I've always loved it when he opens a jaw that way.
2: But that's the third maybe even I, I I'm losing track even in my head, but that has to be at least the third major time that the theme is going to kick in. Cause every time he does that on the show, it's always the yeah. theme kicking in
1: there. And u- so it's just like, it, it
2: just heightens it. <laughs> yeah. The lightning and the, it's just everything mythical about gray skull that you can imagine all is happening in that moment, which you know, like it, for, for that being the first episode, that I got to see 10 years on, as I said earlier, just the fact that that also was in there. Yeah. Grinning from ear to ear once again, because it's just like, Oh, you know, it's like, you got a, a, a transformation where it's an urgent transformation. You got the by the power of grace, call the job bridge open. And it's like this, this is hitting some good notes for me, whether or not it is a more kitty centric Orco episode. It's the fact that he man has to be the one to step in to solve the problem. And all of that, that's why I think this one works so well in my fandom about it. At least.
1: Absolutely. And then we get treated to the cool scene of, of you know, another wave hits, and, and yeah. And I love the, the grayskull eyes and mouth start glowing this bright white, and it's weird because yep. it isn't a white light, but it just looks so menacing, like, uh-huh. and the jaw bridge starts having a mind of its own, trying to crush them in, in its jaws, and... Which is awesome. Yeah, I love that scene <laughs> man trying to, trying to get them into Grayskull, and he's got to hold the drawbridge down enough for Tila and Battlecat to get in, and then he's basically, like, yep. stuck there like a human log. Like, he's just, yeah, he's, he can't, if he gets, if he tries to move, it's going to smash him shut. I mean, you'd mm-hmm. think he could roll to his left, but, you know, whatever. It, it gives a little bit of... Uh, Especially after all the travel, it, it gives a little bit of a threat to the situation. Um, yeah. And Source...
2: Isn't it crazy... Oh, sorry. No,
1: <laughs> Isn't it crazy
2: that a skull-faced uh, building or a skull-faced whatever, a castle... Having glowing eyes is what makes it yeah. look a
1: lot creepier than just having the skull face. And, and white glowing like that. It's not even like red or yeah. anything. It's like just a bright white light. And it just it, as a kid and even as an adult, you're like, man, that looks like so bad. Like,
2: Here, I, I'm going to share with you and the listeners okay. one of the things that gives me the living creeps that I – I it, to me it's nightmarish, okay. and my wife rolls her eyes every time she hears me address anything that has to do with okay. this. So in the early '80s, there is a song that to me is a creepy ass song to begin with. There's something about it that just every time I hear it, it just gives me the spooks. Called "Total Eclipse of the Heart." <laughs> I'm what? I'm willing to share totally this with Clips everybody. Of Totally the heart a creepy song to me. Bonnie Tyler's th- the, the piano bit in the beginning is a really spooky piano. The the way that that whole bit comes in, it's, it's like this somber, really depressing uh, piano riff they keep playing. Mm. It, it always gave me the, gave me the creeps growing up. Um, and, and you know, you dance to this, it song, you know, dances in school Absolutely. and it, it, it is what it is. But, the video to that i didn't see until i was a teenager probably in freshman year of high school maybe a little older than that even so i only knew this song Mm -hmm. and a a friend of mine told me she finally got to see it because she and i were like we would talk about that song if we heard it on the radio and there was a little bit of that creepiness between us of (laughs) of like what we thought about it and she's like yeah i saw this the video to it she's like I don't know what I just watched. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she's going through the video and she gets to the part where the glowing eyed choir kids come out and start singing. And so I'm like, you gotta be crazy. Like what, what's this about? And finally I see it. And the thing about the gray skull in this, and the thing even about faker, when we get to faker in the mm-hmm. filmation is I have this creepiness about anything where there's glowing white eyes on anything automatically makes me scared out of my living mind because it makes the impression that there is nothing there as a soul to anything anymore. And so the okay. idea with Skull in this, having that, mm-hmm. it reminds me of how I feel watching that video. It reminds me of how I feel watching like a, uh, the the movie um, uh, the world's end with Simon Pegg, where it, the whole town has been taken over by aliens, and anytime they want to let you know they're an alien, boom, their eyes explode in white, and their mouth does yeah. too, and everything. And and the director loved Total Eclipse of the Heart. I found that out in an interview, and I'm like, it all stems from this. It's <laughs> creepy. And so like it's it's true. It's like every kid could look at Graceful and be like. It's Castle right. Gray Skull. He-Man draws his power from that. The minute you put damn glowing eyes on the thing, it's like I'm getting PTSD about a freaking Bonnie Tyler video from the 80s. So there you so go. So
1: now everybody
2: – that is my biggest tangent, and I promise I'll show up. Now everybody knows
1: what I'm going to do everybody, as soon as I get off of here. I,
2: yeah, you're going to drive me nuts with that song for the rest of well, my no, life Down that we're on this podcast.
1: I have never seen the music video for Total Eclipse of the Heart. Oh, you have not. I have never, okay. had, I, I never okay. really sought out music videos. I just, I'll just i listen to songs okay. on the radio whatever, but I've never really sought out music videos. Okay. And obviously, when I got MTV, we're talking the mid-90s, so I doubt it was yeah. in
2: rotation then. Um, no, you would have probably caught it on VH1 Classic by that right. point. And that's how I think she saw it. They were doing like an 80s. Uh oh, hold on. I got to decline that. There you are. But they they were doing like a 80s thing or whatever, and she caught it in rotation. And to be honest, I've caught it on rotation if I have YouTube playing. Mm-hmm. So there's an element of like, <laughs> Uh, like every now and then, when I start hearing that piano, I'm like, I can't watch this, and I'll leave the room or I'll shut it off. Because it, it, my wife is like, you, you are creeped out by the weirdest things. I'm like, no, it's that element of there's nothing I, in them. I,
1: I might, it's I like, might what agree is that? You, I'll, I'll have to check that out because I've never <laughs> seen that. But I, I will admit, this is this is crazy here. This it does it to me <laughs> here with this episode. This is crazy. So
2: no, but but the other thing about jeez, oh, everybody's calling like, now. uh,
0: That's a great. Uh,
2: The the other thing about it for me is that if you look at just the way it's filmed, it was actually filmed in an insane asylum, or uh, I shouldn't say insane asylum. It was filmed in a in a abandoned mental facility (laughs) in England. So there's also an element of when you look at the architecture in that video, it already got like this creepy vibe. So again, going back to the glowing eyes of Griswold, the whole the the weirdness is all happening and all that stuff. Yeah, and then it just sets me down that path.
1: <laughs> I just want to say to everybody, hello, and thank you for joining us on episode one of Total Eclipse of Our Hearts, the Ultimate Bonnie Tyler we're, Podcast. We're,
2: no, this is this we're going to dive okay. deep into the deep cuts of Bonnie what, Tyler music what, videos. What else the, can we, the we mythology do to make and the Sean, magic? This is this is the, the welcome to episode one of Sean's balled up in the corner screaming, "No, no!" <laughs> Turn around, Brian, and shut up. <laughs> and now the show's done we don't need to talk about Damar. we're just gonna go okay what else show us on the doll where they touched you sean turn around turn around
1: bald man oh turn Uh, around bald man (laughs) wow if we if we were doing this show live right now this would be the moment when, like, our counter would just drop
2: to zero. Right? Yeah, no, well, you, you might want to edit it out for all I know because this was, uh, like, such a big share that I don't know if anybody needs to know it. But, yeah, oh, that everybody,
1: everybody <laughs> needs to know this. But when yeah, the recording's yeah. on, everything's fair game. You know this going Yes,
2: on. <laughs> I know, I know. I and got honestly, enough
1: to do trying to make the iTunes gods accept my sacrifices. Yeah, this I is my sacrifice. This is my
2: sacrifice to the iTunes gods. And now they're just going to play that song over top of every damn thing on there Because they're like, this is what Sean had to sacrifice his sanity so that iTunes will play this stuff.
1: Oh, Lord. Yeah.
2: Anyway. All right. So, I'm just going to sit down. You finish the episode.
0: I the need demon. a
1: moment. Oh. Oh, so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, that was boy. great. <laughs> <sighs> so yes, very creepy. Yes, uh, very, very find the sorceress. She's practically dead. I found it amusing how how impacted the sorceress is by this compared yeah. to everybody else. Um, you could say maybe because she's more magical. She's tied more to Grey I could even say in my mind that this could explain. Because you know me, I love coming up with reasons for things. Even if I nitpick at it, I like to find a reason in my head to justify it. Um, so like you said, He-Man's not affected. Maybe that's because the Sorceress has kind of taken the whole wave on. Because she knows that, you know, Eternia needs He-Man right now. I can't have it affecting the power of Grayskull. So maybe she's taking it all on herself. Because she's practically dead on the floor here. Hmm. Um, before- I like that idea. I
2: can... I can- See that as a good reasoning right. for that, sure.
1: Um, she's practically dead on the floor. He Man, the wave subsides. He Man's able to come in, and uh, and the Sorceress says, "You know, you've got to, you've got to go face this guy." I love. I don't know why it's it's, but for some reason, I always love this quote from the Sorceress, and it's actually written as one of the memorable quotes in the book here. So I'll read it. Uh, there are visitors outside. One who searches for you. And the one for whom you search. Yeah. Um, I don't know why. For some reason, that line always stuck with me. Um,
2: That's one of those lines that I, I hearing it last night, maybe go, who's what? Like, I, I don't know why. Riddles never work with me. I'm a horrible <laughs> person like that. Glowing eyed children are riddles. This whole episode's full of crap that I'm all weirded right. out about. But but I, I, I like that too because there's this like foreboding about that. Right. And then, so, yeah.
1: and then the next scene after that is He-Man walking out. Yeah, and you're looking out with him, and you just you see the feet, and then it does a slow pan up until you see Demar standing there in his full form. He's actually holding on to the top of that that ridge that covers the the Bone Bridge leading mm-hmm. up the Grayskull, and then you get that. I do find it interesting that you knew that was John Irwin. Did you know that just from – that did the giggle, like the, the Kitty Daymar voice. Did you know that just from watching it or did you hear that somewhere?
2: Uh, it's just John Irwin has that voice. It reminded me of um, – there. there's many times on the show where he'll have a voice similar yeah. to that, and it's always just – it's John Irwin. And I I, I – the widgets – the wind's it yeah. It's very squinchy. Yeah. It's squinchy. Yeah. And, and so that's why I'm like, OK, it's John Irwin. But then when we get to Damar in yep. the adult form, it's Lou Schimer. It is. Then, very if good. I got that right. So they're, OK, there you go. I got yep. a little knowledge here. But I, I like how they did that where it wasn't just, OK, here's John Irwin doing a grown-up voice. I like that they actually changed voice actors yep. and did the modulation on his voice to give yep. it that feel. The other thing that I loved about Damar's design when we see him in full glory in this part is um, he actually feels like the, uh, the devil at the end of Fantasia. Yeah. And I always thought that even when I was a kid. And that's one of those uh, – that segment in F- Fantasia was always the one that stuck with me because it was the one that had the most impact. So seeing like sure. – I don't want to say I'm not trying to joke about it, but there is like it's like the version in Fantasia is like that's that's like evil incarnate. This mm-hmm. version with Damar is almost like this is Dad Bard Dad Bod evil incarnate yeah. in a way because he's got the pudginess, but the the face and the overall look about him is is like almost you know like a, yeah. an homage to that, which I think is awesome. And,
1: and while he does look pudgy, I will say he he still felt. Let me see if this will catch this. Really
2: yeah, good. I could. Yeah.
1: Um, he he does feel very muscular though. Like, oh it's, yeah, yeah. It's it's like a kingpin kind of kind yeah. of build. Like he's he's fat, but you feel he's like he could he could totally like tear down that bridge if he wanted to. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Without and a that's, doubt,
1: <laughs> that's what I loved about it. you. Really felt like there was a danger to Gray Skull and, and a threat to the universe because him standing there ready to go, he's full of energy. Here again, they use that white glowing eyes effect, which I love,
0: mm-hmm. which makes him
1: look so much more evil, mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if you could tell in that picture I showed you, but he was illustrated to have uh, irises and pupils and everything, but that during animation, they decided to go with that glowing effect, mm-hmm. um, which I think amps it up even more, like he's just overflowing with evilness. Like you said, there's nothing there. It's just that glowing eyes. Mm-hmm. Please don't talk about Bonnie Tyler again. But I'm good. It's there. <laughs> it's there. Um, and I love, now I know Skeletor shows up at some point, but he's basically an afterthought at this point. Um, he's basically there at the end just to give, in my opinion, the the, the good angel and the bad angel to Daymar. Like, Yeah. He's, he's convincing him that they'll rule together and help him and they'll conquer and enslave everything. And, but even when Daymar's at his evil point, he's still like, well, I'm so evil and powerful, I don't even need you. So, mm-hmm. And that's why I feel Skeletor could have easily been written out, and it's, that end scene still would have had the same effect. Because um, for me, what it is, it's a Daymar's battle with He-Man that's cool because you get to see a lot of stuff you don't normally see. You see mm-hmm. He-Man climbing onto Castle Grayskull to try and get up to the same level as this guy. Um, I love him standing in the middle of the the crown of Grayskull there. Mm-hmm. I always love that animation when you see something you don't normally see and even him on, mm-hmm. on the top of the tower um, damar taking his blast and actually doing some damage uh, mm-hmm. that was that was always refreshing to see. It's like oh, he actually like scorched the castle and he knocks out mm-hmm. a, a portion of the tower and it's not huge action scenes because it's filmation but it's it's cool seeing. It's something that 2000X expanded on where we really saw things take a beating. Yeah. But it's refreshing to see here.
2: What what for me was not refreshing, though, is the same thing used twice. And by that, what I mean is Mm -hmm. Skeletor showing up and he's telling Evil in, you know, we're going to basically take Daymar and we're going to have him as ours. So she does a spell of enchantment to put a rope around him. And in literally seconds, Damar just snaps the rope and that's it. And now that He-Man's on top of Grayskull, he's got a plan. (laughs) He's got a plan. Here we go. And his plan (laughs) – here we go. Here we go. His plan is he's got a bolo in his belt and he throws the bolo. And so the bolo – and it goes around Damar again. And Daymar, within seconds, once again, rips out of it. And we get a fourth wall-breaking moment of He-Man looking at the viewers and saying, Anybody want to buy a used bolo?
1: <laughs> and that, that and, line, oh. you know what's funny, too, is that line has become <laughs> such a thing of its own throughout the fan yes. community and everything that I'd actually yeah. forgotten that this is the episode it came from. T- oh, I remembered it because of the VHS.
2: That was I, I was like, I don't remember them joking nearly like that, that on this show. Yeah. it was it, it was such a like they went there. That was yeah. I I've always like
1: that line. It's always made me chuckle. But yeah, watching it last time. Like, oh yeah, this is the episode it came from because <laughs> anytime anybody wants to make fun of filmation and talk about like, oh yeah, they were they were it was such corny jokes. That's the line they trot out. Yeah. But you know and what? It, it still made me chuckle last night.
2: It, it does. It's It's got this charm to it. And, it, you know, I mean, honestly, He Man is usually the one, him and Orko are the ones that break the fourth wall a lot. Absolutely. And more He Man than anybody because it's the whole, hey, you know my secret too. Wink, wink, you know. So, right. but it's just so, you know, like, it, it's not something you'd expect in the middle of a battle with a giant, like, beast yep. you know demon thing you know and so it, it's it's almost out of place but at the same time it's like that's fun uh you know but but it is it's it's very much like everybody in the fans are like oh it's the bolo line yeah. you
1: know <laughs> but yeah i love it and then or orko gets there and he starts pleading with Daymar because he still sees him as just that cute little demon he um uh, yeah you know, uh, I like how powerful Daymar is, how he's able to trap even He-Man. And here again, we got an episode where at the end of it, He-Man's pretty much down. I mean, he's not going to be able to overpower this creature, uh, and he knows mm-hmm. it. So he starts talking to him. He's trapped there on the top of Grayskull, and he's he decides he's going to try and talk this guy down. You know, what else?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I like that about the filmation He-Man. I think that that side of He-Man's lost in certain things um i like i like him you being able to use his mind as well as his muscles
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, yeah I, I i like that part too you know for me being who i am about stuff i did like that in in that you know it, He's resorting to everything at his of his faculties to try to right this situation. Right. And he, he's basically backing up Orko on that one because Orko is the one that really does make the difference in this case.
0: Absolutely. Which is
2: another reason why it's not as kitty as, the, you know, like a typical Orko episode. He's really the one that does save the day.
1: And, mm-hmm. yeah, I –
2: I, I, I do like those little moments where, you know, He-Man's having to use his brains and his brawn and all that, so.
1: Yeah, and so, and so then we get to, to the the point of the issue, the me, or the episode, the message of it, and it's basically, you know, and there's there's some great dialogue here, guys, honestly. Yeah, watch, you know, especially watch this last scene. Um, they talk about destiny versus free will. I mean, here again, Filmation tackles some big issues, you know. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, to a kid watching at home, they're not going to go. Well, I'm supposed to enslave the universe, and I'm going to choose not to. <laughs> but, the, but the way they present it, you can easily see the parallel to a kid who's who's maybe going down a bad path because that's the neighborhood he's raised in, or that's the culture he's growing up with, and he feels like he has to do that kind of stuff. I mean, I could see where this, at a young age, would would resonate with them and go, well, maybe I don't have to. Maybe I can make my own choices. You know, maybe I can mm-hmm. pursue my own things. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, you get the tug-of-war between Skeletor, Orko, He-Man. Um, and, obviously, uh, Daymar does choose a side of good. Um, and, at that point, uh, Skeletor realizes that he's 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 lost him. He's not going to do what he wants him to do. So then, Skeletor basically just goes, We're, "We'll just trap him and take him back to Snake Mountain." Same thing. It feels like a, the I'm making this up as I go along here, uh, but you get a you get a nice scene where where they actually manage to trap uh, Daymar in a freeze ray and a giant block of ice, and uh, Orko and He Man have to then save Daymar from being taken off to Snake Mountain. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how, how it goes. But yeah, but, but basically, once again, Skeletor is just, I, I hate to keep harping on it, but Skeletor is such an afterthought in this episode yeah. that it doesn't even <laughs> stick with me, even having watched it I, last night.
2: It's same here. Uh, like, I, I just remember, and, and I feel bad that we can't fill in the gap there, but I just remember basically He-Man taking... The uh the airship that Skeletor's on, and he just launches yeah. it. And I want to say he's just like, S- we're done with this, you know, get out of here, Skeletor. And know. I want
1: to say that one's called the Doom Buggy.
2: Doom, Doom Buggy. Okay, so yeah, the, and I always I, 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 just, I did
1: like that that airship. That's that's a neat one.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, basically, Damar breaks out. He stops Skeletor. He hands it to He-Man, and they send him they send him off to. Oh, I was trying to see if I could find it right. Him, right, uh, and they end up sending him back to the dark hemisphere where he should have yep. stayed the whole episode. <laughs> uh, honestly, if you if you're if you're looking for a good Skeletor episode, this is not it. He's very much, and I think if this had even been uh, a season two episode, no, it wasn't the Doom buggy. Oh, that's gonna bother me now. The Doom Buster was that big spiked one with the skull on the back. That's probably what I'm thinking of. Ain't you no, know, that's going to bug me.
2: Yeah, and I, I never knew, that one to me was just like his generic ship. Yeah. So I don't, I honestly don't know the name myself of that yeah, one. I know
1: it's got a name, but, but yeah, I think if this had been a season two episode that Skeletor probably wouldn't have even shown up on it. I think the only reason yeah. he's there is because it is still, still a uh, uh, season one episode
2: I, I think your analogy of you know him being the devil on Damar's shoulder and He-Man being the angel or Orko being the angel, I think that works pretty well because that's really the only part where he plays that. There's a pivotal thing of he's trying to do one thing. The only thing with Skeletor is he's pushing his agenda so hard that even if I was Damar and wanted to do evil – I wouldn't join with Skeletor right. because I already know is just gonna use me the entire time. He's not trying to even seduce me to the dark side at that point. Yeah. It's just
1: I'm going to use you how I want to. It's like uh yeah. no, that's so much
2: And
0: that's it. So even, it. that's an easy call. Even when Damar <laughs> San
1: they're still talking about conquering eternia, he's still not listening to Skeletor. So hmm Yeah. Um, but I did want to say I like it when the when the demons like that that rift to Demon Dimension actually finally splits open above Grey Skull and you just see all those weird white faces in there. Um, mm-hmm. They really keep using that white glowingness to set, to, to show as demons, so that's
0: mm-hmm. that's
1: really interesting. And then of course, Damar makes the right decision. He says, "I'm not, I'm gonna go against my destiny. I'm gonna return to the demon dimension." And, and yeah. here you th- you you feel like this could have, like you said earlier, it could have been expanded on in another episode where maybe the heroes actually go into the demon dimension uh, and maybe join up with Damar to help him over there
2: uh yeah i th- i i would have liked it yeah I, th- I i would have liked them revisiting
1: it somehow i think it easily could have been um so yeah so i mean basically that's the episode like i said it, it's got some wonky pacing um but there, there's some awesome animation the filmation animation is beautiful great backgrounds um i love they how they did the different effects and everything um, but I just—I think this story could have been cleaned up a little bit. I think it needed like one more script revision. Yep.
2: Here's something else that I just thought of, though. So, I'm—I'm I'm not a big fan of like the cliche endings. In the—the uh, the way that I mean that is the final moments of the episode when you see the rift closing. Yeah. It turns into a rainbow. <laughs> And I'm not a huge fan of that. That's kind of – that's where, it, for me, it's pushing it a little bit for some reason because we're talking about a demon dimension, yeah. you know? And so, like, a closing and having a rainbow is not the equivalent of E.T.'s ship taking off and having a rainbow in the after blast of its rockets or whatever. It's like, okay, the the thing about that that now my mind is going down the rabbit hole with yeah. is if he just – like, okay – they, they have Damar saying to He-Man and He-Man saying to Damar, they're friends now. Right. So he's made friends, and that's an element of you can't be necessarily as dark as you were to conquer something knowing you have a friend now. Right. And so him going back to that dimension, would that offset the balance? True. Because now he's not driven to do what he was supposed to do. And the whole rainbow aspect of that makes me go, does that mean Damar is a kinder, gentler Damar? which now, how does that affect Eternia? Because in the beginning, the ground rules were this, the veil between the dark dimension and th- our dimension of Eternia, that's a very, very, you know, like a very interesting balance, a very delicate balance that Man in Arm sets up. So I'm almost wondering, did that mess up the balance even? So like I said, if they could have revisited it, That would have been an interesting way to do it where, okay, maybe they need to turn him evil so that it offsets the good or something. I I don't know. Like they set up these rules and (laughs) then they never revisit those rules and the way it ends, it's on such a nice note for it being a demon who's supposed to conquer that there is a a certain amount of – well, then you could have had traction going back to it and maybe saying, well, he went back there and maybe his dimension destroyed him because he wasn't evil anymore or something or – uh, who knows? I don't know. Like I said, it's a rabbit hole. It is. I'm and, not trying to be that guy, but it did just make me go, well, it's something I'd like to at least address real quick. And, so. and
1: Filmation never would have given us that story, especially if they had of to turn not. Daymar back to the evil side. And, I yeah. mean, you could also say maybe he just turns back going back through. Because if you go by the beginning, he was the full Daymar. Um, and then when Orko pulled him through, he was the child Damar again. So maybe when he goes back through, it reverses. He's a child he, again. He actually reverts back to his evil ways.
0: It's and possible. That could be then, an interesting yeah.
1: story too if they went to the demon dimension and. But he's he's it's like it's like it resets him almost like jumping between yeah. dimensions. So they go through and Orko's like, "Oh look, there's Damar. He'll help us." And it turns out, nope, this is evil Damar. Like, <laughs> like you, he will never turn good. He will always be yeah. evil, but here again, that's, that's some pretty big um,
2: yeah. theme. It's just something that came out. Exactly, exactly. That's why they wouldn't touch um, it.
1: So. And I will say, this... And you can almost even say that this may have been the episode that made Season 2 more kid-friendly. Because it is documented here that this episode uh, did receive complaints about the ending. Uh most notably that there was one American minister that claimed you cannot beat demons with love. Um Wow Yeah. <laughs> so e- even wow. the church at the time did not like the demon becoming a good guy. Like they're saying he's he's a demon, he'll always be a demon. Uh I mean, we won't get into the whole um religion the religious aspect yeah let's not go there (laughs) but i find it interesting um and so you you know we know that season two got lighter and fluffier because of the complaints and and this is one where we've Mm -hmm. actually because a lot of this is kind of like hearsay at this point but this is one where they actually found that this this episode did receive a lot of complaints about it which I find interesting. Interesting. Because watching it, I I don't see it. If anything, you'd think that this would be, you know, like I said, people are taking it too too literally at that point. It's not even so much about turning demons. It's saying, like I said earlier, no matter what you think your destiny is, it's the choices you make. Yeah. Um, regardless.
2: So well the in that era too, they had the uh the whole deal where they were pushing the idea of kids are being seduced to demons and and you know worshiping Satan because here we have dungeons and dragons and skeletor and everything else, so it doesn 't surprise me that the argument or the yeah. complaint is there. I just for somehow I figured that was a little later down the line that these religious groups would have been involved in right. it, but that's interesting and and it is something. Like I said, you know, just from that initial quick rabbit hole that I did, it's like, yeah, that that definitely is something that occurred to me in that way. But, right. yeah, a, an actual pastor or, you know, someone saying that there's an element of like, you're taking this a little too seriously right. if you're going to start going to that extent. Then, All
1: right. you know, so. Hang on one second, Sean. Yeah, I found I it interesting too and uh, – I mean, you got to figure that since they produce almost all season at once, that most of the other stuff was already going forward. The scripts were already finalized. Um, yeah. So that's probably why you didn't really see the effect until they went into production on season two. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's funny because actually during when the script was originally proposed, it was entitled "Just the Demon," and then it became "Damar the Demon." And you kind of almost got to wonder that if they've left the demon part off completely, if if these groups would have even actually sat down and watched this.
2: It's yeah, because uh, at that time they were so militant about that, and like even my mom when when uh, I I said you know about the whole argument of trying to even buy my first T man figure. Right. Like, my mom was not the biggest fan about, like, Skeletor and some of those characters because she, too, was of the mindset, you know, this is this is pushing something she wasn't as comfortable with compared to, like, G.I. Joe was a man, right. you know, and it was a man with evil intentions, but he wasn't, like, a demon-looking guy, so she had that in her head, too, but – at the end of the day, you know, it's like you got a guy who is a good guy and and he embodies, you know, like what a hero would look like. If you look at a stereotypical hero, you have a guy who who embodies evil and evil usually takes that kind of a form, mm-hmm. you know, in the in the stereotype mythological way.
1: Absolutely. So. And I, well, I got to at least give these groups credit, you know, um, at least they watched all the way to the end of the episode. Um,
2: That's true. Because a lot of these
1: groups, you look up now, you know, because there is some documentation of some of what was said and written. Some of them you can tell they never actually watched a single episode or maybe just watched the intro or whatever. I will give it to that guy. He watched till the end, and he didn't agree with it. So Mm -hmm. more power to you, but, you know, for those of us who don't mind it, leave our stuff alone. That's Yeah, basically. And and I said that to you in private, too, and to all our listeners out there. Um, I've said it before. If you don't agree with us, you know, that's that's your prerogative. If you feel a different way, that's your prerogative. I'm not here to tell mm-hmm. anybody that they're right or wrong in their beliefs. I'm just here to talk about how I feel about this. So mm-hmm. um, yeah. So I any closing thoughts on Daymar the Demon?
2: Um that one for me is is such a nice time machine for me uh you know like I, I remember from when i was a kid but it's that initial reawakening to masters again in my teens where this one will always have a soft spot in my heart and you know having that theme song kick in five to ten different times in one episode never ever a problem <laughs> for me and you know the jawbridge bridge open sequence he-man being needed in an urgent way uh, I mean, even, even like all hell breaking loose on attorney. And the thing that I, w- I keep wanting to say, and I, I finally can say it really quickly. Cause it just popped in is my favorite episodes on the Filmation, uh series. I think are the ones where most everything in attorney, all hell is breaking <laughs> loose because those are the ones that impacted me the most. Like uh, the, basically uh, this one evil seed is another one where it's like something's happening and it's in a bigger way that everybody's wondering what the heck is happening here. And those are the ones where as a kid, I was like, oh, my God, even the bad guys are in trouble on right. this, you know, or whatever. So love it. I love any episode where it puts the entire world in jeopardy in that way. I'm usually going to be a fan of this.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. You know, for me, off the top of my head, you know, to save Skeletor is one that's that's impactful to this day. Uh, dreel's return. Like you said, things where you got to feel like there's stakes. I mean, there are some good yes. episodes out there that aren't necessarily, like, this big. But, yeah, my default ones to go to, especially if people are just getting back into Masters, is I'm going to tell them the big episodes, the ones that, that threaten to change the status quo, where you really feel like the heroes have to rise up. Um, it just it makes for better stories. The higher the odds, mm-hmm. the better the story. Um, like I said, for this one, I've got issues with the pacing. Um, but but overall, it's still a solid story. There's a lot of good bones here. I would love to see mm-hmm. this revisited in some future incarnation. You know, the new Netflix show. I think this would be an awesome template, and I think they they could really. I'm talking about the kids one, uh, the 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 one that's supposed to be the Kevin Smith one. I'd really. Eh. I, I don't want to see them retread too much. I think this would go better towards like a new series for kids that starts over at the beginning and use this structure because the, the bones of the story are solid. It is a race against time, uh, evil dimension, crazy stuff happening on Eternia. Um, and at the end of it, showing that you get to choose your own destiny.
2: Um, if they would do it and they have the whole Adam and He-Man switching at points like I yeah, brought up. yeah. I don't care if, if uh, I don't need the money for it, I just want to see it happen. Cause that would be like out of all of the story points mm-hmm. of this whole race against time, that would have been an amazing one to throw in there for me. Yeah. That's just, you know, me being who I am about it at this Either point. Either
1: that, or I'd say just leave, uh, leave the he-man Tila out of it completely. Honestly, at that point, you know, have them at the beginning and have them show up at the end. But other than that, unless you're going to give them some real stakes, there's no point to have them in there. Like I said, same same mm-hmm. with Skeletor. As I don't want to harp back on that, but yeah, this this episode's very much about Orko and Daymar and the race to Grayskull. Um, mm-hmm. So, but you know, but I can't ignore the pacing <laughs> issues. So for overall, I would probably say a six out of ten. It's above. It's an uh, above average episode. Good premise, but I just the execution in the pacing of the scenes just brings it down for me.
2: I I might be through rose-colored glasses about it, but I'd probably give it, and this this will surprise me by saying this, because it is an orcocentric episode, I'd actually give it an 8 out of 10, okay. because of those moments that I already talked about, the urgency, the amount of times you hear the theme song kick in every time He-Man's doing something heroic, and i got to give it a little bit of a rating for that, for the fact of. Anybody want to buy a used bolo? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm I not the biggest fan of that in Masters stuff, uh, uh, being older. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, there's this charm to that line where I'm like, no, you sold me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, John Irwin, God bless you, man. You sold me on that line. I mean, it's such a weird moment, but it's so, yeah, right. it works for me just to have that corniness right there.
1: There you go. Like I said, it's <laughs> it's a really good episode. I highly recommend everyone check it out, Flaws Aside. Um, but yeah, I think that about wraps us up. Um, uh, make, so. make sure you guys, uh, if you could, if it's not too much trouble, uh, like, subscribe, maybe even share. Uh, mm-hmm. for those of us who are listening on the audio podcast, uh, we thank you. Uh, same thing there if you could subscribe to us or maybe even head over to our YouTube channel, uh, that'd be really cool. Go ahead and give us a subscribe, you'll get notifications when a new episode is posted. Uh, check us out on Facebook, Legends of Grayskull, or me and Sean mm-hmm. are both on there quite <clears throat> uh, quite frequently. Check our personal yeah. pages out. Uh, check out October Sun, uh, and that's your in- Instagram, right?
2: Uh, October Sun with the O's being zeros, <laughs> which I know Matt already rolled his eyes out on one episode. But uh, if you want to find me on Facebook for the art, it's October Sun Art. Just spelled mm-hmm. out, and um, also on iTunes since I know we just got that uh, solved this week. Matt did a he did a heck of a lot of legwork, <laughs> a heck of a lot of. I mean, he and I, I was throwing links at him, going, "Maybe it's this," and and he's like, "Well, why don't we try this?" Yeah. And boom, he he solved it this week, and it was it was great. Uh, we don't have ratings on there yet, so if you're listening to us on the uh, the the iPod or the podcast app on there, uh, feel free to throw a review, drop a couple stars if you like us. Um, yeah. So
1: and Sean has promised me that he'll actually get send me links at some point so that I can start putting his links down ah, below. That's right. Um,
2: yes. I'm horrible at self-promotion. I'm going <laughs> to yeah, just say that right now.
1: Uh, go ahead and make sure you join us next time. We will be talk- We'll be getting a lot more recent, and we will be talking about the current run of He-Man and the Masters of the Multiverse by DC Comics. Uh, yeah. You may be surprised at some of our thoughts. I might be surprised yep. at some of Sean's thoughts because we have managed to not talk about it to each other yet. So, so <laughs> we will-
2: We're basically like, new, a new issue came out today. Yeah. That's, That's it. it. We, so. have, we, we want to save it all
1: for you guys. We want you guys to yep. be there when we, when we tell each other that they're wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. Like I said, it, if if there's ever anything you disagree with, um, you know, just know it's not hard feelings. It's my, It's our personal preferences. If we're covering something you don't care for and you feel like you have to skip an episode, skip that episode. Join us next time because we are jumping all over the place. Uh, So with that, I will just say, until next time.
0: Until next time.